So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. What's up, everybody? It's Sathya Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you're having an amazing day. And I want to thank you guys for just taking a little bit of time to listen in and uh, hopefully learn something. And you know, our our value here or our goal here is to help you grow in confidence and integrity. And I'm just mentioning this really quick because I think sometimes it's easy when you kind of get into these podcast drones like, you know, let's not kid ourselves. This is a daily podcast. Many of you guys listen to our podcast daily, which is a huge honor. Thank you for doing that. And sometimes you lose sight of why you're doing what you're doing. And I know I do this. Like I have a couple. I only probably have like, I don't know, maybe five or six podcasts that I'm subscribed to. And I've listened to many of them for multiple years. And sometimes, you know, it just all becomes a bit of a haze. And I'm just reminding you that you're listening to this episode today so that you can step further into the calling that God has given you. And having integrity is going to be necessary, not just so that you can attain the calling, quote unquote, but so that you can actually sustain it. And that's really what it's about. It's about sustenance. It's about long term. It's about um, multi-generational impact. You know, everything I do, I think about how am I going to pass this on to the next generation, whether that's my own kids, leaders I raise up and whatever else. Um, and the second element is about confidence, you know, just being able to to feel like you deserve and that you're worthy of the things God has called you to. Not necessarily that you feel qualified for it and that your ducks are all in a row because that's really not how following God's call on your life works, but just that you'd have the confidence to step out into it. That's what this podcast is all about. And that's why I'm so glad that you took some time out of your day to listen in. One of the things that we teach here is the concept of emotional fitness. Now, when I say here, I'm talking about in our program, Deep Clean, where we help guys resolve the root issues of porn and masturbation. And the idea of emotional fitness is that we do not want to simply settle for emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is where you you can perceive somebody's emotional response and you're also aware of your own emotional climate. You know, you're aware of what's going on. And emotional intelligence is incredibly valuable. I mean, if you look at some of the, the best performing leaders in our society, if you look at the people that have really made their mark on humanity in kind of a, a broader scope, they possess emotional intelligence. They knew how to work in a team. They knew how to get other people motivated. Um, you know, and it's it's obvious people like um, like a, a profound leader like Sir Winston Churchill or uh, a Thomas Edison or Benjamin Franklin. These guys were were pretty profound in their day. But then you know, I'm like a big Jerry Seinfeld fan. And if you listen to sort of the behind the scenes parts of Seinfeld, you can tell that he actually had a lot of emotional intelligence. You know, he knew how to lead people. He knew how to keep healthy relationships. They kind of had this rule where it was like, look, if you have a problem, you need to talk to Jerry directly. Um, Like he did not tolerate people becoming bitter or resentful. And he would often perceive that somebody was often he would go up and say, hey, what's going on? Like, let's just have an honest conversation. Um, that's emotional intelligence, supremely valuable, not against it at all. 
emotional fitness is the next step above that. If you can imagine, um, if we're talking about your physical well-being, it's the, the best metaphor I can provide for this. You can be physically intelligent or physically healthy, but being physically fit is different. One of my favorite basketball players right now is a guy named Kyle Lowry. For those of you who don't follow basketball, for those of you who do, you know who he is. He was the point guard for the Toronto Raptors for many years, arguably the the best Raptor of all time, quote unquote, and he currently plays for the Miami Heat. Now, Kyle Lowry and uh, a guy named DeMar DeRozan were the stars in Toronto for many years, and DeRozan was actually the star, and, and Lowry was kind of his support, and um, <laughs> it's funny because one one particular training camp, Lowry showed up and he was in remarkably different shape. He was he was lean and he was cut, and um, you could tell that there was just this chip on his shoulder. He was taking his conditioning a lot more seriously. And uh, when they asked him, you know, what what did you change differently? He was like, well, you know, I I was an athlete all these years, so because I was an athlete and um, I'm physically active professionally, literally for a living, I am physically active. I just thought I could eat whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. So I cleaned up my diet. I didn't even really change much to my my physical regimen. I mean, he did make changes there, but he just stopped eating cheeseburgers at midnight. Basically, that was like kind of the the gist of it. So there's an example of a guy who you know is physically intelligent. He he is already getting paid millions of dollars annually as an athlete, but he was not actually physically fit. Right, like he has the intelligence to perform well, to to shoot a three pointer, to dribble the ball effectively, to run the plays, to set his team up to score baskets. Uh, everything a point guard does, he was able to do. He had the intelligence, but he lacked the fitness to really elevate his game. And it was only a couple of years after he made some changes to his fitness that he was an NBA champion. And of course, there are other factors in there. It wasn't just that he got physically fit and suddenly his life turned around. But I think you could look back on his career and say, yeah, you know what? When he took his physical fitness more seriously, the rest of his game was reflected and his ability to lead. And the impacts are very similar on an emotional level. There's emotional intelligence, which we've already covered. Emotional fitness is the next level. Now, the way that we measure fitness is your ability to adapt to altering conditions. So if I'm physically fit, Right, like for Kyle Lowry to become physically fit, it doesn't just mean that he looked fit. What it meant is he could he could respond in game. Like he could, you know, if they turn the ball over, he could get back down the court a lot more quickly because he was more fit. He was conditioned for it. Right? It means that when he goes later on into the season where you played 60, 70, 80 games, your body is still performing at its peak level because you've conditioned it well. This is These are the marks of fitness. It's that you're able to endure rapidly changing conditions or, or extended conditions that challenge it and still keep a stability, still keep a, a degree or a, a, a certain level rather of health and performance. And so emotional fitness is very much the same. When you and I are emotionally fit, it means that we're actually able to endure the the curveballs of life, sudden changes to our circumstances, or enduring distress while still maintaining good decision-making and regulated emotionality. It takes time to develop emotional fitness, but it is possible for every single person on the planet. So it might mean that, you know, uh, historically, you know, somebody... um, 
I don't know, there, somebody does something that's triggering for you and it just, you're like, oh, I can't stand it when people do this. You know, I can't stand it when people don't turn their signal on when they're driving. I don't know, really small example. I can't, I can't stand it when people don't turn their indicators on, right? And it would just throw you into these fits of rage. Well, em emotional fitness in that situation means that you are actually, you reached a place where you get exposed to the thing that would ordinarily trigger you, but you're able to regulate your response real time. That, that is the whole presence of emotional fitness. Now, somebody in our community asked the other day, like, do I have to deal with my emotions real time, right? Like, if, if let, let's use that example, right? Like, the road rage, you know, I'm on the road, this person makes me angry. Um, you know, Sathya, you teach us that we need to like journal and work through our emotions, we need to talk to a friend. So, you know, like, am I just supposed to have my buddy on speed dial and like this driver pissed me off, I need to call him. Or, you know, I need to pull over to the side of the road, whip out my journal, have a little sesh, process my emotions, get back on the road. Like, how do you how do you deal with emotions when, especially when you're learning, you have to kind of walk yourself through the process, right? Like, the way I process my emotions now is very different than how I did it five, six years ago when I was still learning and kind of just figuring it out. I had to kind of follow the system and cross my T's, dot my I's, just check up and make sure that I actually did it correctly. I don't really have to do that anymore because it's become second nature, but it takes time to get there. So when you're starting early on, uh, the, the short answer is no, you don't have to deal with your emotions real time, but you do have to make sure that you're properly processing them. The way you want to think of this, guys, is you're, you're, not, you're not trying to be good at dealing with emotions now. What you're trying to do is set yourself up so that 5, 10, 20, 40 years down the road, you are becoming better and better and better at dealing with emotions and handling them in a healthy way. And this, this doesn't happen overnight. And if you try to expedite the process, typically what happens is you end up suppressing or neglecting emotions altogether in the name of like being emotionally healthy and yeah, look at how regulated I am. But if all you're doing is actually suppressing it, it's going to catch up with you later. And we don't want that. We don't want a, a fake or, or a counterfeit version of this. We want to take the time to really work through emotions, understand them, and reach a healthy resolution. And in the process of doing that, we're building a skill set that is going to serve us well long term so that dealing with them in a healthy way becomes second nature. If you're in a moment on the road, the guy upsets you, you, want, you do want to have a couple things that you can do real time that are going to keep you regulated. I do two in particular. The first is I breathe. <sighs> breathing really helps. Breathing is the physical part of it. And breathing leads me into the second thing I do, which is I try to stay mindful. Staying mindful is a lot harder, but it's it's trying to just be really focused on the present. Because often when I'm stressed, it is, it's actually anxiety about the future, right? It's anticipating, it's all the busyness, all the expectations, all the things I need to get done. Or sometimes it's stressed about things that didn't go well, it's in the past, right? Things that didn't go well, things that could have gone better, uh, things that I wish I wouldn't have done, whatever it might be. And so that deep breath in the heat of a moment, like road rage, right? Um, what I, I know the, the right way to handle road rage. I don't really deal with road rage, but let's just say I do. I know the correct way to deal with it, right? I know that I should just let it go. I should carry on with my driving. But if I have a history of road rage, the problem is that in the moment when I'm triggered, my body, my body doesn't know what's present and what's past. My body just has stored this program for he, here's what we do in these situations. So the trigger comes and my body kicks into 
the response. Now that response has been purely built in the past, right? There's there's no there's no present or there's no future kind of uh, forecasting that merited the response. The body simply keeps the score, quote unquote. It remembers what's happened in the past, and it says based on this, what's happened in the past, here's how we respond. So when you start to breathe and you get back into the present moment, it actually gives you a chance to say, actually, body, that's not how we're going to respond this time. Here's what we're going to do. It, it allows you to have the presence of mind and to actually engage your prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain that actually makes good decisions, that can actually see things for what they're really worth instead of just being reactionary in the moment. So breathing is a huge part of it. And this, this is true for a temptation. This is true for sadness. This is true for frustration. This is true for worry and anxiety and everything else. You can breathe your way out of those moments and back into the present. And when you're in the present, you can then start to consciously decide what would you like to do. And it takes time to build up that stamina. And what you'll probably find when you first try to do this is you kind of drift in and out. Like you have these moments where you're, you can kind of get a taste of being present, but then you sort of slip back into road rage. And then the next time it happens, you kind of just get a little bit more. Sometimes it's, it's gradual. Other times it, it clicks. It sort of just snaps into place. And it doesn't really matter. But the point is, if you keep doing it long enough, you will start to instill this pattern of responding to emotions well. Okay, now that's sort of the, the front-facing part of this. So if you, if you face emotions real time, what you ultimately want to do is you want to try to re, uh, regulate yourself. You're trying to calm yourself down again and get back into just a normal homeostatic state. Okay, the second thing is on the back end. And this is where you have an emotional response that is clearly an indicator of more than just the moment. So road rage could just be like, I like for me, if I experienced road rage, it, it's, it's a sign of one of two things. Number one, it's either that the guy really messed up and it really upset me, or two, it's an indicator that my mental emotional state is actually not that great. Like I'm, I'm worn down a little bit and it might require some more processing. That's where journaling comes in. That's where you might want to reach out and talk to somebody. Now, the other indicator is uh, in, in our community, what we would call it is a level 10 reaction to a level two response. So if you have this huge response to something that's actually not that big of a deal, well, it's probably an indicator that there's more that needs to be processed. There's more that meets the eye. So get yourself regulated again, real time, breathe, become mindful, change your environment, you know, do some of those little physical things that you need to do. And then carve out some time where you're going to journal or you're going to talk to a friend or you're going to talk to your counselor or whatever it might be. Just be intentional on the back end because otherwise what happens is you can calm yourself down in that moment, but you're going to be doing it again and again and again. And the more you do it, if, if you have to do it very often, then you're not really resolving the roots of it, right? All you're doing is just putting it in maintenance mode, trying to keep things at bay. But if you can calm yourself down in the moment, then carve out some time later and properly work through it, resolving the roots in the process, you're now um, proactively engaging with your emotions in a healthy way, real time, but then you're preventatively ensuring that it doesn't happen in the, in the future or that it happens less frequently in the future or that it doesn't happen as severely or as intensely in the future. And all of those things are going to be super beneficial for you in your journey as you pursue this place of emotional fitness. So I hope that helps, guys. I hope it gives you a little bit of a vision of where you want to be on an emotional level 
and some of the practical things you can do to get there. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you have an incredible day. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Sathya Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.